Hey, 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 friends. Welcome to the Naked Podcast. I'm your host, Martisa Williams. In this space, we'll explore a whole range of practices for our individual and collective freedom. My entire life has been spent soaking up practice after modality, after protocol to free my body and soul. Join me in conversations with the world's foremost thought leaders on topics ranging from health to sex to spirituality to justice. So, are you ready to get naked with me? Well, let's talk about it. Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Naked Podcast. I'm feeling really good this week, like really, really good. I think, I don't know what it's about. I honestly don't know what's going on, but whatever it is, I guess I'm not going to question. I've been leaning into my joy practices and... I wonder what what is it that you do for joy? Like, do you have a are you intentional about creating circumstances that bring you joy that um that uplift you, that bring you to rest and pleasure? Um because that's something that I'm I have been doing for a while, but like it's very very much an intentional practice. Um So, yeah, maybe I just throw that on your radar today, that like today and every day, find something that brings a huge smile to your face or deep satisfaction and pleasure to your body and do that and like enjoy that and try not to feel guilty for indulging in it. Quick announcement before we get into the episode, Um, for many of you who are new to me um you may not know that my brand started in 2016 as a radical feminist clothing line and ever since i have put out little capsules of clothing have been in multiple boutiques and um it's been a while since i've put out merch but i'm so freaking excited that um a new collection of merch is coming out very soon um but in order to bring in the new we've got to let go of some of the old so i am and have been having a sale um what's left now is just a bunch of t-shirts and all of them are great we've got the classic get naked tea and the woman tea all the t-shirts are five dollars so if you just need to grab some quick gifts for people for christmas and the holidays um right now is a really good time to do that and that's all up on my site but you can also check it out at the link in the bio. Let's hop into today's episode. So today we're talking to Andy Mant, who is the founder and CEO of Blue Blocks, a company specializing in evidence-based advanced light filtering eyewear. Long story short, Andy makes this incredible science-backed eyewear that helps you to filter blue light that is harming your circadian rhythm. And that is what we're talking about today. In the episode, we get into a little bit of Andy's backstory, Andy's journey to understanding the dangers of blue light, the really important function that sleep has for us and how um, blue light can disrupt 
that. We talk about light in the circadian rhythm, natural versus artificial light, light in the skin and all of the different receptors that are there. Not all blue light glasses are created equal and he explains why. And then we talk about how night mode on your phone and your devices isn't enough to actually support good circadian health. Lighting your home, blue light and fertility, we get into some of the things that women and people with uh, female hormone systems and bodies should maybe be paying attention to when it comes to blue light Um, and navigating the various types of blue blocking glasses and because there's multiple and it can get a little overwhelming. And then blue light and digestion and then responsible sunlight exposure and how to get it. I have been honing in on my blue light blocking practice for about, I'd say a solid year over a year now. And I can tell a huge difference in my health, in the rhythm of my body, which I think is really important to me to constantly be tuning into the way that my body works from a day, honestly, from a moment to moment basics. I fall asleep at the same time every night. I wake up at the same time almost every morning. And I, a lot of that has to do with the lighting that I have in my home for blocking all blue light after dark with my blue blocking glasses. And then obviously sleep, exercise, all the other things. Um, But once I found this information, it really, truly, truly changed my life. Um, in the, a really positive way. So, so super, super excited to share this episode with you uh, and get this information out because it's important uh, even beyond eye strain from standing at your or sitting at your computer all day. And one last thing, if you are interested in purchasing um, some blue light blocking glasses, I have linked in the bio my list of tools that I use to block blue light. So on there, I have the blue blocks glasses that I have from Andy Mant. I have the other glasses that I use that are also from a really reputable source. And then I have like the light bulbs that I use. Andy actually just came out with some incredible light bulbs. So definitely check those out as well. So yeah, that's all in the link below titled My Blue Blocking Tools, My Blue Light Blocking Tools. So definitely check that out. And if you do use any of the links from that site, I will get a little tiny kickback if you use it. So that's just another way to help support the show. Let's get into this week's episode. Hi. How are you doing? Great, I'm so good. Thank you so much for coming on. You're very welcome. It's, um, yeah, humbling to be asked to come on and uh, really looking forward to, to speaking to your beautiful community. Yeah, thank you so much. So um, I ask all my guests the same question to begin with, and that's just what made you you? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And um, I'm originally from uh, a small little village in the United Kingdom um, called Poole. Um, and within that, an even smaller place called Broadstone. Um, and I grew up um, with your sort of normal family life, you know. Um, I had my sister, my mum, my dad both had amazing jobs. Um, went to school and uh, yeah, found my passion in, in school for, for learning. I just always loved it ever since I, I first went and always wanted to excel and, and do well. 
Um, and then, yeah, I, I obviously went through school and had an amazing time there, made lots of amazing friends and went to university in, in Exeter, which was a few hundred miles away from, from home. So that was my first foray into the real world and really what sort of defined a lot of my um, future actions. I, I learned a lot of things there, made a lot of good friends. And then um, as soon as I got back uh, from university after three years, I was like, wow, there's so much more to the world than just uh, the sleepy little village that I grew up in. So I moved to the next county over, which I guess in the US is like a state. Mm. Um, and then I started work there, moved out of, of home by myself and started to learn all about the corporate world. And, you know, I spent a good 12, 13 years in the corporate world. And, you know, when I went into it, I thought, you know, this is this is for me. This is great. I love it. And you know, as I evolved as a person, started learning more and started getting into the sort of nitty gritty of, of life and, and the rat race, as, as you would call it, I started to sort of change my thinking. And I came sort of in a, when I hit 30, I mean, I'm 35 now, when I hit 30, I became quite sort of anti-establishment, sort mm. of quite sort of anti-everything um, right. that was, you know, from, from government, from health advice, from all this kind of stuff. And you know, I've said on a few podcasts that I, I gained a lot of weight when I moved to Australia 10 years ago, I gained a lot of weight and um, I followed a lot of government recommendations on how to lose that weight and get healthy. None of it worked. It made me really sick. And that was a really big defining moment for me um, to make me me today was, you know, actually taking matters into my own hands, finding my own research, hanging around and, you know, connecting with people online that had very different beliefs to the um, you know the establishment and, and the masses, and really got me started to think critically. And it wasn't until you know I'd lost all the weight, got got some good aesthetics back, started training well in the gym. But it wasn't until maybe um, you know four years ago, I, I guess maybe three and a half years ago now, when I just sort of hit a point in my career where I was like, you know, this is this is not for me. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So um, I went to see a, um, a psychiatrist to basically talk through that, which is, I think it's a little bit less taboo to do that in the US than it is like UK and Australia. It's very much like, oh no, you shouldn't go and speak to people. And oh, interesting. Very, yeah, very British. You, you don't do that kind of thing. You, you very much like bottle up your feelings. You don't even tell your family and, you know, you, you, you soldier on, you know, it's very British. But, you know, I thought to myself, no, you know what, I'm going to go and just speak to someone. I'm not feeling terrible. I'm just feeling a bit lost. So I went and sat down with um, with a psychiatrist, lovely lady, and we did some testing. She did a lot of talks, um, a lot of like quizzy type things, you know, like answering questions um, for, for her analysis. And she came to me and, and after the, a couple of sessions and just said, like, you, you can't work for the man, you can't work for, um, you know, a big organization, you will always feel stifled, you'll always feel suppressed. Um, and you need to, if you can start your own company, because not only have you got the personality that, you know, wants to, you know, drive change by leading by example, you've also got, um, you know, the, the, the traits to make a very successful CEO of a business, you know, very driven, you make decisions quickly, you don't, you don't mess around, that kind of thing. So I was like, okay, well, that's, that's amazing. And I've never thought of doing that. And, you know, that's when I, I started to, again, continue to do what I, what I loved. And that was research. And what I found was, 
you know, when I was reading a lot of books by, um, you know, like Tim Ferriss and, and a few other authors, mm-hmm. they were just saying, you know, you've got to follow your passion, do what you love, you know, life's too short. And that was when I just thought to myself, right, I've got to go into health and wellness. And, you know, then that led to discovering blue light and um, blue light technology. And, and my mantra was always, you know, to, in, not to invent something completely new, but make something that already existed a lot better and a lot more optimal for people. Um, because it came from my, you know, I want to say like hatred because I don't hate anything, but from <laughs> my, I guess, distrust of, you know, everything out there, like, you know, the big companies and, and, and governments and things like that, that were just sort of getting products and marketing them in a way that, you know, oh yeah, these will help you when, when you, but when you look at the science, they didn't. So that really, like, really annoyed me. So that right. really sort of spurred me on and gave me the fire to, to really start a new a company to, to offer, you know, better products than, um, back, that were backed by science than, than my competitors. So I, I think in a roundabout way that might, might answer the question. No, it definitely does. Definitely does. So I've heard you talk about your health issues before in previous podcasts. Um, yeah. I want to dive a little bit into it because I think it's interesting, the kind of linear progression for you of like having your health issues and then finding blue light as being a contributor for you in that can you talk a little bit about that absolutely so you know as I sort of briefly touched upon um just then I about sort of 10 years ago when I when I moved to Australia I had some like serious like weight gain I was getting really 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 big and I'm five foot seven five foot eight and I was around about like 185 190 pounds so as you can imagine that's like that's pretty big and you know when you gain a lot of body fat typically you get a lot of um metabolic issues as well and you know I, I i was no um no stranger to those and i also had a lot of other issues with me like i had my i had kidney stones when i was 25 like mm. you know this is the kind of thing that sort of old men and, and women get um so i was just like something's not right here i had my appendix out i was constantly feeling tired like i would I get up sort of in the afternoon and, you know, then need to sleep again and then stay up really late and, you know, a whole host of real bad lifestyle choices. And, you know, when I, I discovered initially, um, you know, removing macronutrients from my diet to lose the weight. So I I adopted ketogenic dieting. So I removed all carbohydrate, Mm. you know, ate a lot of amazing, like, you know, steaks and cheese and butters and, you know, Effort, effort, effortlessly, can't get that word out, lost <laughs> weight and, you know, felt great. And, you know, that worked for, for a while. Um, and then I discovered, you know, gut health. Um, and I found that my gut was basically destroyed from doing a ketogenic diet. I, mm. I didn't eat any vegetables. It was just meat and butter and cheese. <laughs> I lost weight, but inside I still, I was, I was healthier, but my gut wasn't healthy. Um, so I added things into my diet, like a lot more vegetables. I became more plant focused with adding meat around the, the plants rather than just yeah. smashing down, you know, a kilo of steak a day. Um, and I started to see improvements there. And then, you know, once you start going down the rabbit hole of self-improvement, mm-hmm. you start looking at other things in your life and making them, you know, sort of little projects. And one right. thing that really hit me hard when I was going through puberty was my sleep was really disrupted. So when I hit sort of 13, 14 years old, um, I went from sleeping amazingly to just getting up in the night all the time and waking up and not being able to sleep. And, you know, it coincided with a lot of things like obviously a lot of hormonal changes in 
in my body when I was 14. Um, but also, you know, having TVs in my room, I got my first mm-hmm. smart, well, smartphone back then, got my first phone back then. Um, and a lot of sort of things that I now know contributed to, to the, the issues that I, I, I had. So I started to research sleep um, and how sleep worked, sleep worked. And I found there was two pathways to sleep when I read the academic literature. The first was the need to sleep. So it's like sleep pressure. Like as you go through the day and you burn more ATP, which is like the fuel that keeps the body running, right. you get byproducts from this ATP. It's adenosine triphosphate and the byproducts of adenosine. It builds up in the brain. And when so much of it builds up, you get this need to sleep. And it just so happens that, you know, that coincides with, with, with it being nighttime. If you, for instance, run a marathon, you're going to build up so much ATP, you're going to want to sleep for a long period of time and a deeper sleep. If you're very lethargic and you're sitting around not doing much, you'll probably go to bed later because you haven't burnt as much. Mm. But there was another way to stimulate sleep, and that was from using something called a circadian rhythm. Um, and we all have one, like every, you know, almost every creature on earth has a circadian rhythm. And it's, it's, it's a Latin, it's come from a Latin word, circa, which means about a day and a day. And these are in a sense, in, in essence, a body clock that is in your brain, in all the cells in your body, which tells your hormonal system what time of day it is. And how it can tell time is through light messages that pass through your eyes and skin um, and basically trigger um, a, a message to this body clock, which says, right, it's, it's the daytime. I need to keep cortisol levels high and, and, um, dopamine and serotonin levels pumping. Um, when the light disappears and it's darkness, that darkness also sends a light, um, um, sends a message to the brain that tells you to keep cortisol levels down and increase something called melatonin, which is your sleep hormone, which then helps you sleep. Mm -hmm. And then what I found was that you know, it was a spe- specific colors of light that actually do that. And it was blue light and some of the green light, which tell you um, that it's daytime. So think of the sky, it's blue during the day. And, mm. you know, that mm-hmm. keeps you awake and alert. But what I found was that in TVs and smartphones and house lights and all other sort of sources of, of LED lights, it was similar frequencies of blue light than what was found during the day. So it was sending messages to the to the, the, the body clock that it was daytime and to keep yourself awake when you were exposed to this light after sunset. So that was when I started thinking to myself, right, let's let's trial some stuff. So I bought some cheap blue blue blocker glasses on Amazon, popped them on, noticed good changes in my sleep, um, you know, positive results. Mm-hmm. But when I actually started to get these lenses tested, I found that they weren't blocking in line with exactly what light you needed to block. Um, there was a lot of studies on on different lenses to um, use to block blue light, and I found that the ones that were cheap on Amazon weren't blocking all the blue light so i wasn't getting the most optimal sleep i could be getting so that was when i invented these red lenses that you can wear after sunset which really maximize melatonin production optics lab made here in australia and you know started started blue blocks and then i went down a rabbit hole even more about light and found that the light from those same devices i was mentioning like tv laptop smartphone can actually cause something bad in the day called digital eye strain. So you had mm. to filter some of the blue light wearing glasses that I'm wearing now, these clear lens ones. And um, then I found that light can contribute to anxiety and depression and migraines. And you needed to block another section of the blue light in order to do that. So we've created some yellow lenses called summer glow. And then I learned that 
light and color therapy can be combined to elevate people's mood and increase dopamine. So it just was fascinating that when I started to look into sleep, I went down this rabbit hole of light and absolutely every process in the human body is influenced by light in some way. And it just so happened that it improved my sleep. But when you start sort of reading my blogs and listening to my podcast, you find that light impacts fertility, light mm-hmm. impacts um, anxiety and, and depression, light in, impacts how you metabolize certain certain foods. Um, it, it influences how you store specific macronutrients, whether it's as fat or muscle. So it was really fascinating that when I started to dive into it, it wasn't just sleep. I mean, that's the big one. It was actually every process that goes on in our bodies that's influenced by, by light. You know, it's so interesting because I started learning about blue light um, from listening to podcasts that you were on to listening to other kind of like biohacking podcasts and things like that. And so I started blocking blue light. But for me, I have always been such a sound sleeper. Like I've always been a person that could like sleep with a drop of a hat, all of that. It was more those other things that you were talking about, the anxiety, the digestion. It was just the like wanting to make sure that my body was in a particular rhythm um, and Mm. making sure that I was like not overproducing cortisol and not overproducing melatonin in random times of the day so that I can have the most optimal day waking time and nighttime as possible. So I want to kind of go back a little bit because I want it like I want this to be kind of like a 101 to like blue light for people. Yeah. Um, so um, the difference between natural blue light and artificial blue light. Can we talk a little bit about that? Of course, yeah. And there's some fundamental differences, um, you know, uh, be- between the two. And you know, when you define natural blue light, we mean the light that's emitted from the sun. And by artificial light, we mean light that is produced by an LED or a fluorescent light source. Um, the sun sunlight is something we've we've evolved under, okay, for millions of years, and we've developed our circadian rhythms by living outside under the sun. The specific light messages from the sun send specific messages to the the body clock which tell us what time of day it is that's sort of 101 sort of circadian rhythm now the way that the sun is composed is that it's composed of equal quantities of each frequency of light so at the beginning of the spectrum visible spectrum you have blue light green light um, then you go into the yellows ambers and reds it's all very balanced in the sun okay so blue light is amazing from the sun because it and, and and from artificial sources during the day because what it does is it increases serotonin increases dopamine and increases cortisol which is what you want during the day to be an active happy human but what blue light does during the day is that it causes cellular damage to the eyes and the skin it's a very high energy high frequency light and it doesn't matter if that light comes from artificial or sunlight it still causes damage But what the sun also has in it, as I mentioned just just a minute ago, is it has equal quantities of each frequency of light, each color. Think of the rainbow. Now, what blue light does in terms of damage to the eyes when you're outside, red light, which is also present in the sun in the same quantity, heals that damage. Right. So what what happened with artificial light was that we lived under this natural, beautiful thing called the sun. And the sun kept us alert and awake, but it also caused damage to our eyes, but it also repaired damage to our eyes. What we did with artificial light was 
we used incandescent lights initially for many years, and that was very high in the red spectrum and very low in the blue spectrum. So there wasn't much digitalized strain or there wasn't much headaches and things when you're under incandescent lights because there wasn't a lot of blue light causing that cellular damage, just a lot of red light and only a little bit of blue. But what we did in the 90s, we wanted to create our light bulbs to, and, and lighting to be more energy efficient. So we created something called LED lights and, and fluorescent lights. And LED lights, we stripped out all of the, all of the restorative red frequencies and we replaced it with blue frequencies. It was higher energy, more volatile. So what happened was we also invented loads of devices that these LED lights could go in. So no longer were they just in the back of your TV or in your house. They were in your fridge. They were in your appliances, your modems, your um, iPhones, your iPads, your laptops, etc. But it was devoid of red light. So you were getting all the benefits of, of the blue light in terms of rising the cortisol levels during the day, the serotonin and dopamine. You were getting all the negatives, which is the same as the sun, all the cellular damage to the eyes, but you weren't getting any of the restorative red light that was basically repairing it. So that's the fundamental difference. And then what you also found, find is that blue light in isolation, so without any of the other frequencies, and in the high quantities that it's found in LED light sources, can cause so much cellular damage that there's a huge need not just to counteract that negative effect by adding red light, you need to actually filter down some of that blue light because it's more intense than what's given out by the sun. Mm. So, you know, what we're, what we're in essence doing is we've developed this uh, immaculate body clock system by living under the sun. And another difference between natural and artificial light is that natural light changes every minute of the day in terms of the amount of... Um, invisible and visible light that's present in it and because it changes every minute of the day it's sending different messages to the brain an artificial light actually doesn't change it's the same you, you switch on a light at 8 a.m it's going to give out the same amount of light if you switch it on at 10 p.m mm -hmm. so that means that your circadian rhythm then can't you know process the time correctly so your hormones become out of whack and you develop you know um various um, endocrine issues you know anxiety stress you know fatigue things like that so that's the fundamental difference during the day and after dark it's a lot more easier to explain because natural light after dark is a candle or a campfire that our ancestors would have sat around you know maybe cooking the, the catch for during the day or sat around talking and, and being a community right. there was no blue light present so what the issue is today is that we then add artificial suns, alien suns, to our life after sunset, um, rather than sitting under you know, red light sources like our ancestors did. And that's then disrupting our sleep and, and causing, you know, um, you know when, when you sleep, you know, it's not just about, oh, I go to bed at 10 o'clock and I wake up at six. It's about the type of sleep you're getting as well. And you don't know how bad that is until you're, you're, you're tracking it. Right. But that's what blue light does as well. So I guess that's in a nutshell, the, the main difference is the sunlight, very balanced. Any damage that it does cause with the blue light in it, it restores with the red and it's not very intense in the blue. Artificial light strips out all the amazing restorative colors of um, light and then jacks up all the um, high energy um, cellular damage causing light, which is, which is in the blue range. So I have a couple questions. Mm -hmm. One that I've just had from my own like light diet experimentation. One, when I'm wearing my 
red and we're going to talk about this for the listeners but like when i'm wearing my red light my red filtered glasses am i actually yeah. getting some of that good quality restorative light or is it just like blocking the blue yeah it's a good question you're only blocking frequencies of light okay. when you're doing that so you know you're, you're not getting any of the restorative benefits of, of the red so you know again what you've got to remember is um it's it's also comes down to not just color of light it comes down to frequency within the color banding so light runs in nanometers so for instance red light will run from um, around about 600 nanometers up to 700 nanometers and within that banding the most restorative frequencies of red light will be 630 to 660 nanometers um, and that's similar to what's given off by candlelight and firelight when you're wearing blue light glasses all you're doing is filtering specific frequencies of light so any light that's present that's above the banding that you're filtering in your environment will still pass through the glasses so if there's red light present in your environment that's that's fantastic it will still go through the glasses still give you the benefit on the skin and through the eyes but if red light isn't present and you wear the blue light glasses with the red lenses then you're, you're not going to get um those restorative benefits so you know, it's all about mimicking the light that our ancestors evolved under. So in our house after sunset, all our bulbs are red. Um, during the day when we have to turn on a light, we actually have low blue light bulbs in our house and you can use incandescent as, as well. Um, you know, it's about changing that environment to mimic what those ancestors would have seen. And, and another hack to do that is like you mentioned, wearing the red lens, blue light blocking glasses after sunset because it creates a sense of physiological darkness by removing the frequencies of blue light and green light, which actually cause um, melatonin to drop and cortisol levels to rise. Yeah. Okay. So then tell me more about like the skin receptor. So it's not just like I'm wearing my glasses, I'm good, but it's also like our skin is picking up some of this light as well and has an effect. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, before I go into that, I caveat that, you know, about 80%, um, you know, efficacy for light management will come through managing light that passes through the eyes. So wearing your blue light blocking glasses, you know, you're, okay. you're pretty much all the way there. But where it gets a little bit more complex is that you have specific opsins within the body um, that we until a couple of years ago, um, thought were just present in the eyes. So you get things like rhodopsin, um, and there's another one called melanopsin. And melanopsin um, is, is an opsin that absorbs light from the environment at 480 nanometers, which is blue light. Okay, it's mm. high-end blue light. And it then takes that blue light and passes that through, it phototransducts it, and it tells the circadian rhythm in specific locations in the body what time of day it is and, and to, whether to be active or restorative. So active... So if, yeah, active means like when you're, you know, active during the day and, right. you know, repair is, is at night. Right. So what they found was a couple of years ago that melanopsin wasn't just present in the eyes. It's also present in the skin and the fat cells within the body. So you can wear your blue light blocking glasses after sunset. But if you've got a TV on or a house light on that's emitting blue light, which it, it does right. in every every case, it's triggering um, a, a phototransduction effect in the skin by activating those melanopsin receptors. And that then is telling not, not so much the, the central clock, which is governing your sleep and your 
wake cycles. It does a little bit, but not a lot. But what it's doing is because there's circadian rhythms in every single cell of your body, not just the master clock, the skin has its own circadian rhythm. So what is happening is when you're bathing under blue light after sunset and wearing blue light blocking glasses, your skin still thinks it's the daytime. So it remains in its active stage and it's not healing and repairing. So what you find is that um, when you look at studies in the literature, blue light accelerates aging on the skin. So, you know, for women out there and, and guys as well, um, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that takes care in, in, in my appearance as well. Um, you, you, you get accelerated aging, you can get wrinkles quicker. And this is why there's such big popularity in red light therapy devices, because mm. red light therapy does the opposite. It heals and, and causes more collagen to form in the skin, you know, light plays a, a different role depending on what frequency it is like I, I mentioned before and there's also been some very important studies talking about skin cancer so a lot of people will go especially in Australia it's very big everyone wears sun cream goes out in the sun yet we have the lowest rates lowest levels of vitamin d and the highest levels of, of skin cancer in the world and a lot of people say that maybe ultraviolet light is the cause of this Mm-hmm. And there's no arguing that ultraviolet light causes cellular damage, right. but blue light also causes cellular damage. But what the, what the natural sources of light do is that they have these restorative properties of them. So UV light that's penetrating the, the skin and causing damage. If you are out ancestrally, the red light and the invisible infrared light at sunset actually has been shown to heal any damage caused by UV light. Right, right. And then also the skin, and this was only released six months ago, the skin also has its own circadian rhythm, which means that in, in the lab, they did this test that when they, they shone blue light onto skin cells and the circadian rhythm and the processes that the skin cells were doing when blue light was shined on it was very different to when the blue light was taken off it, it was acting and behaving in different ways that the, the atoms within the, um, within the cells. And they concluded that basically the skin needs long periods of darkness, which is the absence of blue and green light because red light still counts as darkness to actually heal and repair any of the damage caused during the day, any of the inflammation, the pollutants that have hit our skin, the UV light. So when you actually start to think about light and, and skin cancers, the UV light is causing damage, but it, we need UV light to create um, vitamin D. Mm. But are we actually then coming home after a day at the beach, getting your UV or a nice walk outside, switching on all your artificial lights and not letting your skin able to heal that damage caused by the UV light? It's a bit like mm. the cholesterol inflammation debate. Is high cholesterol causing heart disease? No, it's not. Inflammation is causing heart disease. We're wrongly mm. blaming something for doing its job. UV light is doing its job like cholesterol is doing its job, but we need to reduce the inflammation um, to, to stop heart disease from the cholesterol side of things. Right. But we also need to stop the um, blue light after sunset to stop the cancerous side of um, cellular damage caused by UV light. So there are so many fascinating rabbit holes you can, you can go <laughs> down and it's all backed up in the, in the literature as well. So it's, it's very interesting. That's so interesting. I mean, it's, it's funny because, I mean, we all, like, know, at least it's said in the, like, alternative health spiritual realm that, like, everything is connected and, like, mm-hmm. everything has its function. But you don't think about just the minute little 
ways that our body is always trying to come back to center and to balance and how we disrupt that by just like wanting to sit on our phones or whatever. Mm -hmm. So what I also wanted to ask you about, so I feel like I'm the like, not the black sheep, but like I'm the one that's always telling my family, like I bought my mom and my dad blue blocking glasses and I started wearing them to work and all these things. And it's funny because now I see my coworkers are all wearing blue blocking glasses. But one of the things that I have failed to try and explain to them because a lot of specifically my coworkers have gone on Amazon and just bought some blue blocking glasses off Amazon. And I'm like, I don't have the language to explain to them like why they needed to get ones that are like for a particular frequency and all that kind of stuff. But I'd be interested to talk a little bit about that. And then also why that like um, night filter on the iPhone is like not actually like actually filter filtering out the light that we needed to filter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's easy, easy to answer. So not, not all blue light glasses are created equal. Okay. So the way companies work with, with Amazon and their cheap glasses is that they go to to China, nothing wrong with China. They just go there because it's cheap to, to manufacture product. Right. They choose an item off the shelf and they stick their logo on it. Mm. There's no science behind the specific frequencies of light that those glasses need to block. And I take it we're talking about the lenses I'm wearing now, the clear ones, because people would wear them in the office. Yes. So when you actually start to test those glasses, you find that they focus on reducing light down around about 385 nanometers, which is violet light. When you analyze with with a spectrometer, which is a measurer of light, the color of light that is emitted from your digital devices. So it doesn't matter if it's, as long as it's got an LED in, it will emit the same frequencies of light. The 385 nanometer light that these glasses are focusing on is actually not present at all in LED backlit digital devices or lights. Mm. So you put these glasses on and they're not actually filtering anything at all from your um, computer, your smartphone or the office lights. So they're giving you a placebo effect. And you can, you can tell this because a lot of those glasses come with a little pen and you shine the light through the glasses and you, it basically, you shine it on this, you shine it on this bit of, bit of paper and you see that this, this, um, this sort of purple light that forms and it leaves a mark. Then you put the glasses in front of the, the, um, the card, shine the light through and it's like, oh my God, the light doesn't come through the doesn't come through. Right, right. Now, I did a YouTube video on it. Um, you can check that out if you want as well and link it, showing that the this this little pen that supposedly is blue light has got no blue light in it. It's only this purple light. So it's just showing that, oh, yeah, your glasses block purple light, which actually isn't present in LED devices anyway. Oh, so when gosh. you look at what triggers macular degeneration, um, digital eye strain, cellular damage in the eye, headaches, migraines. It's the peak of light within those digital devices, the LED light sources, that's causing it. So when you run a spectral analysis test on LED light, any LED light, you see that there's a massive spike in blue between 440 nanometers and 460 nanometers. And then you buy these glasses from Amazon that are focusing on light at 380 nanometers. So you're not actually targeting the light that's coming from those devices. So you need to make sure that when you pick your blue light glasses, you focus on a brand that actually targets that spike in blue light and reduces it down. 
And you can do little tests. There's a blog, actually, it's number one when you Google it in the US, like how to test blue light glasses. My blog's number one. And you can go on there and actually test if your blue light glasses are working. And another big test is, and I don't know if it will work here because I don't think I've got any, um, I've not got any artificial light on that has blue light in it. Mm-hmm. But when you actually sort of move your glasses around, you'll see a blue reflection off them. Mm-hmm. If you get blue, then they're filtering blue light. And that's a good at-home test. It still doesn't tell you what frequencies are blue, but you know at least it's targeting blue light. If you move your glasses around and there's a green reflection or a purple reflection, you know, we're, we don't have to be a rocket scientist to right. know what kind of light that's then filtering, <laughs> which means that it's doing absolutely nothing to protect your eye health. Now, another big issue that comes up so much in the literature, I'm sorry, so much in the community, but it's not supported by the literature, mm-hmm. is people call these glasses that I'm wearing now blue blockers or blue light glasses. They're not. Mm-hmm. They filter blue light. They don't block anything. It's impossible for clear, clear lenses or clear substances to, to block specific frequency of light they filter it down so you know what people then do is they get their clear lenses they wear them after sunset and go oh, i'm blocking blue light you see it on instagram i'm blocking blue light i'm gonna get <laughs> such a good night's sleep and you're just like no you're not you're filtering 30 percent of blue light at best which is fantastic during the day to you know stop that nasty blue spike causing digital eye strain but after sunset you can you can only get good and better sleep by wearing red lenses, deep orange red lenses like Sleep Plus that we, we make. You right. need to block 100% of light between 400 and 550 nanometers. And these block 30% between 400 and 500 nanometers. So, you know, go figure. There's so much misinformation out there. These are, these are computer glasses or blue light filter glasses, um, anti-fatigue glasses, that kind of thing. Um, but even all of these glasses aren't created equal for the reasons I've just stated. So just go and do the test, read the blog, check your glasses. And if you're in work and people have got them on, take a sneaky look. You don't need to tell them just yet. Take a (laughs) sneaky look and go, is there purple or green coming from your glasses? Right. And then you can tell them. Now you know the answer. You can go, just what color is is, is your glasses? What what are they filtering? Like, just put it up to the like, oh, it's purple. Right. That's not present in your digital devices. So you've wasted your money. Um, So yeah, you you can tell them that that, um, when you get in the office and take a little look. In terms of your other question was night shift mode on um, yes. your smartphone. Again, I've done a YouTube video on this because I thought, you know, I, I like to test these things. I don't want to take anyone's word for anything because there's so many liars out there and companies that just trying to, well, you know, I'm probably being a bit skeptical. Companies trying to um, con people, but also companies that are hearing about blue light but don't know enough about it science perspective wise to actually make something that's optimal is probably more more realistic so when you look at night shift mode on your phone it doesn't block all blue light and what i was alluding to earlier is you have to block 100 percent of blue light from passing through your eyes after sunset to optimize melatonin production so you put your phone on night shift mode you've still got 30 40 percent of blue light coming through it just reduces it down so i so, so that's not to say it's not good. Night shift mode is great during the day because what do we want to do during the day? We want to reduce the amount of blue light that's coming through our eyes from digital devices. So I always have my night shift mode on during the day. And then after sunset, you want your smartphone to give out red light. So this is on night shift mode at the moment. I've got, just so happen I have a red background, which probably isn't ideal. But when I click the side button here three times on my phone, you can see it changes changes color to, to red. Um, yeah. And then I can change it back and that they have it. It's back on night shift mode. So 
you can actually turn your smartphones red. So after sunset, you triple click that side button on, on, on the iPhone or if you've got an older phone, the, the home button three times. Um, you have to set that up first. And, and again, I've blogged about this. Just Google how to turn your smartphone red. It's again, it's, it's a number one in Google blog. And you can then change, you know, back and forth between the two night shift mode before sunset and then the red mode on your phone during the, the evening. And what you find then is that that then completely blocks the blue light. You can, you know, I'm not advocating scrolling for your phone, but say your phone goes off in the night, which I mean, it should be on airplane mode anyway because of the EMFs. But say you get an emergency call from, um, you know, your friend at 2 a.m. saying, you know, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out partying and I need picking up or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You're like rolling over, switching on your phone, which might be on night shift mode. Your body clock's then like, wow, it's midday again. Your cortisol level spikes, impossible to get back to sleep. You're wrecking your hormones. Whereas if you've got it on the red, you literally wake up, look at it, it's not going to impact your sleep or melatonin. So if your your friend just needs to jump in an Uber, you can go, look, jump in an Uber, Margaret, it's it's 2 a.m., I'm not getting out of bed. You then go straight back to sleep because it's only red light. But if you then, if, but if you did it the other way with shining the blue light into your eyes and Margaret jumps in an Uber, she's then messed up your sleep for the night and it's, it's you know, you're going to phase shift, you're going to have issues with getting back to sleep. You might have been in the middle of a deep sleep cycle that will be impossible to get back into. So you just got to look at those sort of hacks as well. So night shift mode, good for during the day, not good for after dark. The hack there is to turn the screen of your iPhone red for after sunset. Yeah, I love that. I actually do that as well with the the red and um Epic. people always are looking at me like how do you see with that thing mm-hmm. um i need i need a hack like that for like netflix like watching like a show in the evening like i'll have my blue blockers on um but like i won't i still need to figure out something for the tv situation because like yeah. all of them all of my lights in my house are incandescent but i also mm-hmm. realize that that's not great after sunset yeah it's 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 a lot better than leds um but it's still not the best um incandescent is the 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 best source of light you can use if you're not focusing on color Mm -hmm. um so if you have fluorescent led and incandescent incandescent is by far the best it's just um just so happens there are bulbs out there that you know focus on just emitting the frequencies of light that mimic campfires after dark um product again it sounds like i'm pushing my products here but we've got a product that, that, that does that um and i'm sure there's other ones out there as well so people should shop around for sure but um you know yeah that's, it's better than leds that's for sure and much better than fluorescence like they're a whole different different ball game cool okay so you had mentioned a couple times about blue light and hormones and that's something that i'm really interested in i know that there's hormones that are for like that are affected for both men and women, but I'm interested to also to know about female reproduction and just female hormones um, and blue light. Yeah, absolutely. So with female, at, at any reproduction, okay, but from a female perspective, um, which is the same as male, blue light doesn't directly impact fertility it's what it does from a circadian disruption perspective that disrupts fertility okay. so it does cause it but just not directly it's not like shine blue light on you're infertile it's, it's not not like that it's a kind of a couple of steps that and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why so when you expose yourself to blue light after sunset you reduce your sleep hormone melatonin 
because cortisol levels are still jacked up really high. And melatonin, a lot of people believe is just the sleep hormone. It helps you go to sleep and it helps repair and restore. But what melatonin is, it's the most powerful antioxidant that can be produced within the body. And it's far more powerful than any antioxidant you can get from you know, a punnet of blueberries or something like that. It is mm-hmm. so powerful at clearing out reactive oxygen species. Um, and you know, a lot of these free radicals that are causing oxidative damage within certain areas of the body. Now, the female reproductive system in terms of where the ovaries are located and the placenta are areas of extremely high metabolic stress, okay? So there's a lot of cellular stress and turnover happening within those regions. And it just so happens that melatonin is produced in very large quantities within the ovaries and placenta. And you can see where I'm going with this. Melatonin, huge antioxidant, a lot of oxidative damage and stress in those regions. Melatonin is produced in the absence of blue and green light after sunset. So if we're coming home from work, not wearing blue light blocking glasses, we're not going to produce anywhere near optimal levels of melatonin, which not only impacts your sleep, it also impacts the repair and um, restoration of cellular damage within certain areas of the body. And just so happens that ovaries and placenta are the highest turnover rate of cells within the body. Mm. And when you get a lot of turnover of cells, you get become more susceptible to things like cancers within that region, but also things like polycystic ovary syndrome, mm-hmm. because you're getting mass turnover of cells. And, and the, the quicker cells turn over, the more likely they are to mutate. You know, cancer is a, a natural thing. Um, you know, it, it's just so massive at the moment um, in our society because we're turning over cells so quickly, and it's right. caused by the gradual replication of cells and eventually one will go wrong and you get cancer when you're you know 100 years old but because we're under this blue light um not producing as much melatonin we're also putting ourselves under blue light which speeds up cellular turnover as well you're getting more of this damage within those regions so that's a major issue for women so you know you just got to be careful the amount of blue light that you're being exposed to because you're not going to get as much melatonin to repair the natural turnover within those regions. And, you know, another thing that um, increases rapidly when you look at blue light in women and I guess reproductive health is breast cancer. Um, It appears that there's a big link between um, blue light exposure and cellular turnover within, within female breasts, but also the lack of vitamin D within women also leads to to that issue as well and vitamin d is created by ultraviolet light mixing with cholesterol in the body um, and you can only get that from the sun so it's not just a, a blue light issue it's also there's no restoration happening because vitamin d is not being produced because people women are going outside and wearing sunglasses they're wearing sun cream um you know, they're, they're covering their body up as well. I'm not saying people should be walking around topless, although there'd probably be a lot of happy men and, and women out there if that was the case, but there'd also be a lot of angry people. Um, you know, I always say to women from a breast cancer perspective, and again, always speak to your doctor, this is not medical advice, but, you know, if you can sunbathe in the privacy of your own backyard, then maybe take your bra off and, and allow natural light to, to, to get to that area because it's a, you know, these areas are covered up, but they're not meant 
to naturally ancestrally be covered up and right, then they're right. not getting the, the level of um, you know vitamin d production that they need and you know there's a lot of other things that melatonin does as well like melatonin mixes with oxytocin to induce labor in women um so if your melatonin levels are low because of excessive blue light exposure after sunset you may have a later birth um mm. that's uh, that, that's that's that, that happens or it may be earlier maybe induced earlier because your melatonin levels are not um are not right um you can also look at um conception rates as as well um it more comes to play with the, the male for instance if a man goes to bed and this this is all studies i'm citing here so if a man goes to bed after midnight um, compared to a man that goes to bed before midnight the man that goes to bed after midnight is going to produce 50 percent less um sperm mm. it's he's also going to um create more asa which is anti-sperm antibody which destroys good sperm and he's also going to have lower testosterone levels. And I think it's something like a 43% less chance of getting his partner pregnant wow. based on the time he goes to bed. And the time you go to bed is impacted by a circadian rhythm, which is impacted by the amount of blue light you're exposed to after dark and, and during the day. And the final one, I guess, for, for women, um, and if, if people want to hear more on this, I've done a few fertility podcasts where we've done like a whole hour just on those subjects and taking a deeper dive is that they did this big study on night shift nurse workers and they mm. found that 100% of the participants that work night shift, so they had a disrupted circadian rhythm because they were sleeping during the day and they were exposing themselves to a copious amounts of blue light after dark, was that 100% of them had longer and irregular menstrual cycles mm. when they were working a night shift. Now, what we can um, deduce from that is that not everyone works night shifts, mm -hmm. but if you've got sort of irregular menstrual cycles and you're not working a night shift, maybe you want to look at the light environment that you're working under during the day, but also what you're going home to after dark, because that could be a light version of what the night shift workers are experiencing when they're working, you know, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Oh, that's so, that's so interesting. That's so interesting. Obviously I'm very, and it's, it's interesting because being super interested in the biohacking space, Unfortunately, the conversation around women's bodies, I feel like kind of gets missed sometimes. So it's kind of yeah. nice to be able to ask those kind of questions. Um, so we've talked about all the effects of blue light and yeah. all the things that it can do. Uh, I want to kind of switch a little bit to, we've talked about these blue blocking glasses, but I want to talk about them specifically. So I have all three. I have the clear, like clear ones for the daytime. I have the, your yellow ones. Um, and I have the red ones for the evening, but can you kind of talk through each of them and like why you, I mean, not why you need all of them, but I yeah. suggest getting all of them. Uh, so yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the products we make are made here in Australia. They're, in, they're made in an optics lab and they're made by people that I've sat with for months and told them, exactly what we need and why we need it so they understand you know as, as we understand you know about the importance of specific frequencies of light mm -hmm. buying any other pair of glasses that may have a yellow red or a clear tint you know again it's not a marketing pitch because you can read my blog and look at my youtube because i test every pair of glasses that's out there right. none of them not one of them block exactly what you need to block or filter so can save you the money now there's there's no other glasses <laughs> out there that, that literally does what it what they what they say on the tin and i wanted to create three different lenses because you know unlike a lot of the 
other blue light glasses companies out there, they seem to think that one lens is fine to fit you from day to night. And as we've discussed earlier, the sunlight, the light from the sun changes every minute of the day. So why would you want the same frequencies of light coming through your eyes at different periods of the day? It doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. You know, um, right. you're ultimately just still receiving one message through the brain and that's, that's it, which is, which is not good. So I created different lenses. So the ones I'm wearing now are computer glasses. So these are called blue light, um, and they filter down 30% of light found in the blue range, which is for use during the day. If someone works in a well-lit office, like well naturally lit, if they are using computers um, all day um, or, or at points during the day, if there's office lighting on, and if they, by the end of the day, are feeling you know like they've got dry or watery eyes, they're getting a bit of a tension headache, they're feeling fatigued, their skin might be feeling a bit dry, those glasses are great for, 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 for treating those kind of issues. Yeah. The second pair of glasses that you can wear during the day are the yellow um, lenses called Summer Glow. Now they filter about 50% of blue light and they're meant for various applications. The first is they're great for during the winter when there's less natural light coming into your environment, but a lot more artificial light because lights are on for longer periods of the day. But they're also good for all year round for people that have a sensitivity to blue light. Mm. So if you have a sensitivity to blue light, you will suffer from issues like or may suffer from issues like migraine headaches. You may have heightened levels of stress, anxiety or feel a little bit depressed. Mm. You may suffer from something called seasonal affective disorder, um, which are the higher la northern latitudes. A lot of people suffer from like the UK, Canada, northern US. So what they do is they target the specific frequencies of blue light in the lowest end, the highest energy end of the blue spectrum. They completely remove the spike in blue light from your digital devices mm. because those people will have that sensitivity to, to blue light and they need to block more because it only takes a little bit of that blue light in isolation to trigger the migraines, to keep cortisol levels higher than they should be and cause a lot of stress and anxiety to people. But what we also did and this is why they're different from other yellow lenses that are out there. We used a, a very, very specific color tone of yellow that was shown in um, various studies to elevate people's mood because mm -hmm. we thought, you know, people that have migraines are going to be miserable afterwards. Um, I, I was a sufferer. People that have seasonal affective disorder, depression, anxiety, stress are going to be miserable. So we wanted to add mood boosting properties of color therapy into the lens as well. And this is why they're so good for the winter as well, because it makes you feel like you're looking at a really summery, summery, you know, yellow sort of tone. It's, it's really nice. It really is. And I also find they're a very good transition lens. So wearing them around sort of, you know, later on in the afternoon, you know, you might have a heavy day, eight hours solid on your computer and the clear lenses were great for maybe five or six hours, but because you're continually getting your eyes bombarded and you haven't taken a break because you've got to get your essay in or, you know, finish a bit of work for your boss your eyes are starting to go a little bit and you're starting to get that digitalized strain. So you just switch to the yellows and away you go. Um, or you might just need a mood boost and you put them on and you block a little bit more. And then, you know, your light needs then change again. As we've mentioned, when the sun has set, blue light goes to nothing. It, it doesn't exist, you know. Mm -hmm. You get some very ambient blue from the moon and the stars, but they 
because of the lux, which is the light intensity of the blue light emitted by the uh, emitted by moon or reflected off the moon and, and emitted by the stars, mm-hmm. it actually doesn't affect daily rhythms, circadian rhythms within within humans. It influences monthly rhythms, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially in women. Um, you know, like I guess menstrual cycles can be influenced by you know the moon and and the movement of of, of specific celestial bodies and there's a lot of evidence right. that show that and and the light can influence that as well which is which is fine but it doesn't impact circadian rhythm so after sunset we need to actually eradicate a hundred percent of blue light not 50 percent or 98 percent or one percent 100 percent of blue light and also the majority of green light up to 550 nanometers you still some green light's okay post 550 nanometers but 550 is the cutoff according to academic peer-reviewed studies so you need a pair of glasses that block 100% of blue and most of green light and that's why you then change over to the amber red lenses after sunset you can't wear the clear or the yellow it's not going to focus on the specific frequencies of light as I mentioned earlier frequencies of light change throughout the day and we have different needs for blocking and lending in specific frequencies of light depending on the time of the day so what you would do is as soon as the sun sets, you'd slip on the amber red lenses and you'd wear them until you want to, you want to go to bed. Um, you know, it might be earlier in the winter, it might be later in the summer because of, you know, um, the, the way the planets align to the, to the sun. And that's not a problem. Sleep doesn't have to be a specific time each night. It's when you need to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And when you start managing light correctly after sunset, your circadian rhythm will tell you when you want to go to bed. Like I go to bed at like half eight, nine o'clock in the evening in the winter, but in the summer I go to bed at like 10, half 10. It's fine. You need less sleep in in the summer. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how it works. So your clear glasses, your yellow glasses through to your, your your red, your red glasses, you would need all three, but you can get by with a day pair and and a night pair. The majority of people would get by well with a clear pair for during the day. Our blue light computer glasses actually target blue light, not violet light. Mm-hmm. And then the red ones, everyone needs after sunset because we're all exposed to artificial blue light. And then the yellow ones can be added in if it's winter or you've, or you've got that sensitivity to light. So that's how it works from a blue light blocking and filtration perspective. Yeah, I love that. And I, one of your products that I love is the, I can't remember what the name of it, but the like sleep goggles. Yeah, the sleep, I, sleep mask, remedy sleep mask. Is yes, I love yeah. that because like I live in an apartment and we just have like the blinds and yeah. they just put in all of these like lights, oh. like all these crazy lights and they're so, 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 so bright. And even when you close the blinds, it's like, it almost feels like daytime because of how bright yeah. these lights are. And so I love the the sleep mask because I'm able to put that on. There's no pressure on my eyes. Um, my only complaint is that I got a lot of hair, so it's a it's a little yeah. tight. But um, is I love that uh, that I can like be in pitch black, and even when yeah. I get up in the middle of the night and open my eyes, I'm not blinded by all this blue light that's um, behind my shades. Yeah, absolutely. Because you find that, um, and again, studies support this that. Blue light, even with your eyes closed, can still send messages to turn off melatonin. So, you know, you could be wearing your blue light blocking glasses, your red lenses after sunset, go to sleep. But then all this, you know, the neighbor's lights, the car headlights, the street lamps outside are all shining blue light into your bedroom. You will probably produce a lot less melatonin 
than you should be because you're, you're producing it whilst you sleep. It peaks at 2 a.m. Um, hence why the majority of, of labors happen at you know, 2 a.m., middle of the night, um, <laughs> you know, because you need that to, to have them going back to the fertility side. But also a really interesting study has shown that blue light whilst you sleep and, and during the day as well, but the study was specifically when people slept um, coming in from your window or, you know, your partner turning on the light in the night or your phone or something like that, independent of food, increases your insulin levels and blood sugar levels. So you could be sleeping in the middle of the night, having this light coming through your, your window, it passing through your closed eyes, and it's jacking up your insulin levels. And the more that happens, the more insulin resistant you can become. So you can actually lead to developing pre-diabetes or diabetes later in life, independent of the diet you're eating. But what it will also do is it will desensitize you from um, producing the correct amounts of insulin when you eat carbohydrate. So you could be, you know, eating really healthy carbs, you know, your sweet potatoes, um, mm-hmm. you know, brown rice, wild rice, things like that. But because you're not managing the light environment that you're sleeping in and living under, your insulin levels won't be able to handle that carbohydrate load. Therefore, you could gain weight um, and become diabetic by actually eating healthier carbohydrates. And this is why I think a lot of the elimination diets work so well because you've got people that follow a keto diet or a carnivore diet they eliminate typically they eliminate carbohydrate Mm, mm -hmm. and they continue to eat that that food under artificial light which in the short term is great because you're you know you're losing a lot of lot of weight and you're looking great You're, you're wrecking your gut in my opinion when you're doing that but you know that's not a natural state for a human to be in it you know ketogenic state might be a natural state for a human to be in during winter months when vegetation can't grow because of snow at if you live at a specific latitude right but you know populations thrive on eating carbohydrate and and you know are, are in some of the blue zones and you know you think to yourself well you know yes you're hacking the environment you're in by eating that specific diet but what knock on effect is that going to have to yourself as well because you're not looking at the fundamentals of um one of the fundamentals of health which is the type of light you're actually eating your food under or the type of light that you're living under and you know people also and this is i'm going off on a bit of a tangent with diet i love it i'll pull myself back in but i love it yeah yeah people (laughs) seem to think there's this one diet that fits everyone exactly which is it's not it's not the case you know someone might do better on a vegan diet than someone that that works on a, a, a will do better on a, a carnivore diet or a balanced diet. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on so many factors in your life, like, you know, the light you're living under the stress you're putting yourself under, but also your ancestry ancestry as well. And also what latitude you're living at. Right. You know, if you're, if you're living at very high Northern latitudes, you're going to do exceptionally well eating a lot of fish because you're not going to get a lot of vitamin D from the sun at that kind of latitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll do better on fish. If you're living on the equator, you're going to do a lot better eating higher carbohydrate rich diets because the sun is out for longer periods of time. Um, but, you know, vegetation can grow more. And the, basically the, the light that you're eating those carbohydrates under the sunlight, um, which is a lot more intense in UV at those um, uh, sort of equatorial areas means that your body can digest and process, process carbohydrate a lot easier. Um, but that all goes out of the, the the window if we're all living under the same blue lit environment um, where we won't be able to eat carbohydrates. We'll do better on elimination diets. But, you know, in the long term, 
what will those effects be on on our health and, and circadian rhythm you know you might have this amazing healthy quote unquote diet that's working well for you you look aesthetically amazing you feel great but you know is it messing up your sleep is um mm-hmm. you know what what else is it doing from a circadian perspective you know you're not getting you know these people that are eating carnivore diets where they're getting their fiber from do they do they need fiber if they're eating under that specific light so for me you know biohacking is great and i really like biohacking but you've also got to look at the ancestral side as well in my opinion and right. and you don't want to eliminate certain foods from your diet but you need to be very cognizant to what kind of light you're eating that food under and that brings me on to my next um thing i wanted to mention as well that circadian rhythms also impact digestive hormones and neuropeptides that produce to process food and when you've got a correctly aligned circadian rhythm so you're up with the sunrise you're in bed by nine ten o'clock um, you're wearing blue blockers and you're out in the sun various points in the day getting messages for your eyes the best times to eat the majority of your calories are between two and four hours from waking because that's when your gut is primed to digest food correctly and optimally the worst time to eat food is after sunset because you're typically eating it under blue light which jacks up your insulin levels and then you're more likely to store that same meal that you would have eaten at breakfast if you eat it after sunset as body fat so there's an old adage i always like to say you know eat breakfast like a king eat lunch uh, like a prince and dinner like a pauper and there's always many a truth in these old wise tales and and mm-hmm. sayings um and that's true from a circadian perspective when you look at the literature you're less likely to store body fat eating a large meal in the morning than if you ate that same meal after sunset. So interesting. So interesting. I think I'd never really heard the connection between blue light and food and digestion and things, but it makes so much sense. I mean, if your whole clock is off, you're not able to like have the functions in your body that you're normally able to have. Um, And that's why it's so difficult to, you know, to say to people like, this is a specific time you should eat. What people need to look at is, let me fix my circadian rhythm, then I know the correct time to eat. Because if your hormones are out of whack, how do you know what time of day you're producing the correct, you know, neuropeptides and digestive enzymes to process the food? It might be 10 o'clock at night, which would be a bad thing because then you'd interfere with melatonin production, et cetera. But, you know, you don't know when it may be. So, you know, a nutritionist might be like, well, you know, I think everyone should eat, you know, just, you know, they, they take the safe bet. They go, you know, balance meals throughout the day and then you're fine. But, you know, how do you know when that person is producing the correct digestive enzymes if their circadian rhythm is off? It could be at three o'clock in the afternoon, at 8 a.m. You, you just don't know. So people right. should correct their circadian rhythm first and take the guesswork out of when you should eat. Yeah. You mentioned uh, briefly about getting sun on your skin. Um, and I'm realizing that's not something that we've really talked about. Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, yeah, absolutely. So skin and eyes are are very important, um, to receive light through. So I, I haven't worn sunglasses for three, four years. And, um, you know, I, I do that because I want light to pass through my eyes from the sun because that's how my circadian rhythm evolved. I want to go out at various points during the day, sunrise, middle of the morning, lunchtime middle of the afternoon sunset because the frequencies of light passing through my eyes without sunglasses on is sending the correct messages 
to my circadian rhythm to tell the, the time. So it helps me sleep later in the day. It helps me produce hormones correctly. Um, it helps me process my macronutrients correctly. Um, so that's very important to do. Sunrise is the most important um, thing to do for everyone. Every morning, you should watch that sunrise, whether it be for five minutes or an hour, two hours, whatever. Um, just because the first light your eyes should see is natural light because that natural light will entrain your circadian rhythm and start the cl clock ticking correctly. If you roll over and look at your phone, you're in essence telling your circadian rhythm it's midday and mm. to start ticking from them. So you might go to bed later, you'll crash during the day. You're not going to get all the good hormonal benefits that you would have got by watching the sunrise. So that's what, one of the reasons why I want to allow light to pass through my eyes. And you know, I'm not talking about going out and staring at the sun, just being outside, just, you know, sitting, having a coffee or whatever you do in the morning is, is the best thing to do or going for a walk at lunchtime or, or, or what have you. Um, another more complex reason is that I like uh, some UV light to pass through my eyes because it mixes with something in the eye called DHA, which is often found in in fish that you eat like omega threes mm -hmm. and DHA is in very large concentrations in the eye. And when UV light synthesizes with DHA in the eye, it causes a DC current effect within the body, which reduces inflammation. So it's the mm -hmm. same effect as grounding. So if you walk barefoot on the earth, you get the DC electric current absorbed into your body, which reduces inflammation. And, and we've seen, you know, pictures where people, um, have stood barefoot on the grass as opposed to in shoes. And you can see the different areas being activated within, in, within the body. So that's another reason why I, I do that. And, you know, why you want the, want, why you want light on your skin um, without sunscreen on is that you want, um, you know, UV light to hit your skin and synthesize with the cholesterol to create vitamin D. You know, every single study out there shows that if you have as vitamin D lowers, all cause mortality increases mm. as vitamin D levels increase, all cause mortality drops down. So all cause mortality means your risk of dying from absolutely anything. Mm. So higher vitamin D levels a way to do it. Supplementation doesn't work. You need to get it from UV light. Um, but you just got to be careful with UV light. So if you've got a disrupted circadian rhythm and you don't go out and watch the sunrise in the morning and you're not out in the morning sun, you're going to you're going to burn later on in the day because you've not primed your skin by priming your skin if you're out in the morning there's not very much uv light presence a lot of infrared and a lot of visible light at that time of the day when you're out for a couple of hours in the morning before say 10am um, allowing the sun to hit your skin you're increasing something called melanin in your skin which is an absorber and filtration filtrator of UV light. So it protects you against UV light that then comes later in the day, you know, um, and if you miss that morning sun, you're not getting the melanin levels increase in your skin, you're more likely to burn under that UV light later on in the day when you go around to, you know, day's barbecue at midday, and you know, you're out in the sun, you know, having a few beers for three, four hours, but you haven't had the, um, the sun in the morning to, um, to basically protect yourself. And you've got to look at it from, again, your genealogy. Um, like my wife is from um, a Celtic region in um, the UK called Wales, and she has very low levels of melanin. She has very sort of pale skin. So she mm -hmm. needs to be out in the sun longer in the morning to build up that protection for UV later on in the day. Mm -hmm. She hasn't worn sunscreen now for three, four years. But before this, she'd go out in the sun and she wouldn't go brown. She'd go pink. 
um, because no melanin to protect herself. Whereas someone that has a genealogy from, say, equatorial areas um, will have a darker skin complexion, which means they have more melanin on their skin so they can handle more UV light. So they can be outside for longer periods and they need less time in the morning um, because as we each evolved under different latitudes, UV light is very different. So UV light in Celtic regions, the sun never shines, it's raining all the time. So mm-hmm. you need to have low levels of melanin in that region because when UV light comes out from the sun one day a year, you need to get it all in you and use it very, very quickly. Makes sense. Whereas someone that lives on the equator, UV light is high all the time. So you need more protection against that UV light, more filtration. That's why the skin tones typically darken as you get nearer to the the equatorial areas. But then you look at, that's all fine from that perspective, but then we move around the world. So I'm now living in Australia and I'm Anglo-Saxon of origin. So Mm -hmm. I know that I need to build up my melanin for long periods during the winter months and autumn and spring here in order to tolerate the sun and the high UV Australia has in um, in, in the summer months. So it's all about sort of understanding your environment, but also looking at your genealogy as well when it comes to the sun. I think about that a lot because obviously I'm black. And um, it's interesting because I live in upstate New York, which gets, it's one of the like least sunniest. I live in Rochester, New York, which is the least, one of the least sunniest places in America. And so when I moved here just from Detroit, Michigan, which doesn't get a whole lot of sun either around the year, but it gets more than Rochester. I noticed such a deep, like a change in my mental health. Like Mm. it was, it was huge. Um, And what I have found now that I am getting out in the sun, even when it's like overcast, even when it's like not, um, I'm not seeing it as present or whatever, even in the middle of the winter when there's a half a foot of snow outside, I'm finding that even just that little bit for me, that little bit of sun exposure is actually helping and boosting my mental health, my all the circadian rhythm, all that kind of stuff. Um, So I have definitely, that's like, I think, especially if you're like a brown person, you need more sun exposure throughout the year. Um, And I I have a hundred percent found that to be true. Yeah. No, that's definitely true. Um, because yeah, exactly for the reasons I said, you know, you, you you've got um, you know, the darkest the skin tone, the more UV you need because you're filtering more of it. Um, and the lighter your skin tone, the more UV um you need, but you also need I'm sorry, the less UV you need. But if you want to then move into a, a warm region, like say you want to go and live in live in Australia, like like we have done. The good thing is you can change that skin tone um, during those months by being outside in the morning and building more melanin. So I have a very sort of golden brown complexion in the in the summer months because I've been building that up all year by being outside. Um, if mm. I didn't do that, then I would burn very quickly and, and have low levels of vitamin D and um, I would probably develop skin cancer very quickly. So, you know, you, you've just got to be very sensible with the, with the sun. And, you know, another issue with sun management is sunglasses and there's a mm-hmm. study that came out 10 years ago that shows that people that wear sunglasses are more likely to get skin cancer than those that don't and the reason being is that when you wear sunglasses you're in essence creating artificial light from the sun mm-hmm. because you're filtering 
frequencies of light. So you're sending the wrong messages to your brain. So when you're wearing dark sunglasses and you're out in the sun, your body is basically thinking that it isn't the time of day that UV light is present. So it doesn't elevate cortisol levels as high to protect against UV light. So the way that the body and the circadian rhythm can, can detect if levels of UV light is high is by visibly seeing blue light. Mm. So we can't see UV light because it's invisible, but, but what the body has evolved to do is that typically when there's a lot of blue light present in one's environment, UV light is typically high mm. and it makes complete sense. What colors the sky on a nice hot sunny, sunny day? It's blue. So UV light is probably going to be present. So what it does is it increases cortisol when it sees that blue light. And cortisol is an antagonist to um, UV light. It protects against UV light. So when you wear your sunglasses, you're getting the UV light, but you're not getting all the blue light through your eyes. So your cortisol levels aren't elevated high enough to protect you against that UV light. So, you know, this is why I always ditch the sunglasses unless I'm in an area of intense glare um, or at, at very high latitude, um, sorry, very high altitudes when UV light becomes stronger and, and I need to filter it because I don't want to develop cataracts by living at, you know, high altitude and getting too much UV light into my, into my eyes. And plus I've got blue eyes, so I've got to be extra careful. So I've got low melanin in my eyes. Um, the darker your eye color, the more you can handle being out in UV as well. Oh, I didn't know that. That's new to yeah. me. Interesting. I mean, it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Well, before we I ask my last question and we wrap mm. it up here, tell folks where they can um, find you and where they can support your work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the best place is probably subscribing to our mailing list on our website. So that's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X. Um, we are not um, ones to send out messages on, um, you know, every day on, you know, bye, bye, bye. We're, we're very educational. So I put a blog out once a week. Um, I do a YouTube video once a week and those go out to the mailing list. So they're like sort of small snippets of what we've spoken about today that people can, can learn from. Um, so that's the best place to, to go. And there's loads in the archive on the blog section. So people can jump on and have a read of some of those. Um, Punching my name into Google is probably a good idea if you want to hear some more podcasts. Um, so I've been on a few of those so people can, can listen there. Um, I'm not too active on social media these days. Um, Instagram is I am Andy Mant. Um, Facebook is, is just the Light and Health group, um, just Light and Health. And, and people can connect or follow me on there as well. I'm, I'm probably a bit more active on Facebook than I am on Instagram because I like to post studies and things like that. Um, but typically blogs and podcasts are the best place. And we have our own podcast as well, where we've got some amazing guests on called, um, that's so yesterday. Um, so we've had some really cool guests on that, um, within the health and wellness, um, wellness space. So people like Melissa Ambrosini, um, Nick Broadhurst has been on, we've um, got Chris Gethin that we've just interviewed JP Sears. Um, so some really sort of cool cool people that are in that health and wellness side. So that's just tsypodcast.com and you can find us on iTunes as well. So that's a, a good one to sort of learn a bit more, not just from us, but from our, our amazing guests and community as well that have all supported us along the way. Awesome. So my last question is what's lighting you up right now? And we talked a lot about light, but this is a different type. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, we've, we've gone through a good hiring phase at blue blocks recently. So we've got a really cool team in place at, at the moment. So a lot of new hires. So that's really exciting me. 
Um, and also we've got a new product coming out, red light therapy device, which is exciting me as well. So that will come out in a couple of months. And we've got a new collection of glasses as well, which is awesome. And really just the momentum we've got with people approaching us about you know, featuring blue blocks. And, you know, in the last sort of three months, we've been in GQ, Vogue, um, Traveler magazine, you know, some L Cosmo, some really big, big magazines, which has been great. And, you know, when we first started this brand, we not only wanted to create optimal lighting products um, and light management products, we wanted to make them high end fashionable as well. And the fact that those magazines are contacting us is shows that, you know, we're on the right path as well. Um, And I think, you know, the, the big thing that's lighting us up right now is just the the looking forward to being able to travel again and meet everyone and um, explore the world. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit impatient waiting for it, but I'm hoping <laughs> 2021 I can get traveling again and um, do what I love in, in life, which is seeing different cultures, learning from different people and, and, you know, roaming the earth a bit more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on. You're very welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. So are you headed to the site to go grab you some glasses? I mean, honestly, they have really moved the needle and I am not a fan of spending money just for the fuck of spending money. That's not me. So I also wouldn't be recommending products that I don't believe in. I don't use myself and don't um, trust. So these products are something, I, like I said, I've been using for over a year now. They have worked for me and just a blue light blocking regimen in general and getting outside and getting sunlight on your skin and in your eyes like it literally will change your mental health it will change how your body functions um i notice a huge mood lift especially in the winter months when i make a practice of just bundling up and getting outside and walking even on overcast days um so yeah I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Again, if you're looking into purchasing some glasses, please use the link in the description box. Um, And again, I'll get a little tiny cut of that, but it just helps us support the show. Um, And then also, if you need some freaking Christmas gifts or whatever, check out the sale that I'm having on all of my merch. Um, So yeah. Uh, thank you as always for supporting the show for sharing the show you guys are incredible I literally have the best listeners Um, and it's growing which is so so freaking exciting and um, I've got some amazing episodes coming up in the next few weeks and into the new year so keep tuning in to check those out I love you all so very much have an incredible couple weeks I'll talk to you soon